20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy game day. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. It's usually about this time every year where it starts to hit me of just how fast the season really goes. I know it doesn't maybe feel that way because of the long layoffs in between a Thursday night game and then a Monday night game and then a bye week and just doesn't feel, you know, doesn't feel like there's been much Packers football as of late, but it's still, they go so fast. There's going to be the sixth game already. You're only guaranteed 17 of these and it's just the rest of the season, you know, is going to go at warp speed. So just take a moment, take a second and enjoy this game and obviously the rest of the season. I know that it's been a difficult start to the year. It sort of felt like it peaked over those first seven quarters, and then everything after that has been disjointed at best. But still, there's a lot to take away from this season one way or the other, whether it is just the evaluations that you're getting on certain coaches and players. And at the end of the day, it's the NFL. It's football. Enjoy it. And hopefully Green Bay can pick up a big win in Denver in this one. So Packer fans can maybe relax just a little bit and hopefully enjoy a victory since it's been a hot second since Green Bay's last win. Let's start with some transactions that took place on Saturday. Remember, Saturday's the day that you sort of finalize your roster for Sunday. You have to do any of your practice squad call-ups, any last changes. If you want to activate someone from the injured list or from PUP, you need to do it the day before the game, at least when it's a Sunday game. And Green Bay only made two moves on Saturday. They activated Eric Stokes off of the PUP list. More on that in just a moment. And then they once again released Justin Hollins. And my guess would be that there's another chance or opportunity that Hollins could be back this week if they decide to readjust their roster. If there's an injury that maybe they need to place somebody on IR, maybe they just try to get him back on the practice squad, or maybe he takes the similar path that Patrick Taylor took and he's just like, all right, enough of this. I'm going to go find somewhere else to play. That could be the case as well. We'll have to wait and see after this week to see if Hollins is back with the team. But for now, Hollins is off the roster. And the bigger news, Eric Stokes is back active on the roster. What role he plays in this game remains to be seen. Some of that might have to do with whether or not Jair Alexander plays in this game. More on that in just a second. But overall, Awesome, awesome, awesome to see Eric Stokes back active on the roster. And this team needs a boost from a former first round pick who had an awesome rookie season, didn't follow that up very well in 2022, then had all of the Liz Frank and all the other foot injuries had a hamstring injury that we learned about and and during like right around the time where he was ready to come back from the Liz Frank. And now here he is back, ready to play. This is a very important season for Eric Stokes. This is year number three in the NFL for him. And Green Bay could use that boost defensively, especially if Jair Alexander is not able to go in this one. Now, as of recording this, I have not seen any sort of tweets or anything yet from Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter. I'm recording this at 11 p.m. Central Time on Saturday night, so I sort of waited as long as I possibly could to see if there were any late night tweets. But as of now, I have not seen anything on if there will be a Jair Alexander uh, inactive or you know whatever that he's not able to play in this game. But that's going to be a very big one to keep an eye on as the inactives list come out. But if he can't play, getting Eric Stokes back in any capacity is huge. Now, they may not start him. Maybe they will. We just don't know. Again, if Jair's out, 
They could go with Carrington Valentine on the outside. They could go, you know, alongside Razul Douglas with Keyshawn in the slot. And then Eric Stokes being more of the dime corner in his first game back. That's within the realm of possibility. They, you know, they could go with Eric Stokes uh, outside with Razul Douglas outside and leave Carrington Valentine on the bench and have Valentine be the dime corner. There's a few different ways that they could go with this. Hopefully Jair's just able to go and then we really get to see how they utilize these corners. And it probably is more Jair is your starter alongside Razul, Keyshawn in the slot. And then I would assume Eric Stokes as the dime, but we just won't know until we see how they utilize these players. The other big question here, and I think I know the answer, but if you're not a starting corner, you kind of have to play teams. I don't think Eric Stokes is going to play teams, but he has played a little bit in the past. I don't think he particularly likes doing it, but that's going to be an interesting thing if they ask him to play teams, if he's not, you know, if they're not going to get him in on defense right away, all of those things are going to be really interesting. But the bigger takeaway here is that it's awesome to see Eric Stokes back active on the roster and he will make his Packers 2023 debut against the Broncos today on Sunday. Meanwhile, the rest of the injury report remains the same. Devondre Campbell is doubtful for the game. I would not expect him to play in any capacity. It's not impossible. He did get some practice time in at the end of the week, but being doubtful, usually it's very, very, very rare that somebody's doubtful does not get upgraded to questionable or something like that on Saturday and then plays on Sunday. I would just expect that we don't see Campbell in this one. The questionable players in this game remain Jair Alexander, Zane Anderson, Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Yash Nyman, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Quay Walker, and Devontae Wyatt. A ton of injuries still on this injury list, despite only playing one game in 20 plus days. There was a couple things I think we can glean though, because the other big news on the day is that they did not utilize any practice squad call-ups. I think there's three people that there's very good news for on the injury list based on the fact that there's no call-ups. The first is Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones was not good to go in this game, I don't think they just go with AJ Dillon and Emmanuel Wilson. I think they would have called up James Robinson to be that, if nothing else, emergency third running back. But with not activating James Robinson, that should be a pretty good tell that Aaron Jones is going to play. The bigger question will remain, how much does he play and how involved is he in the game plan against the Broncos? The the, Another one that we just talked about, clearly very good news for Eric Stokes that he is going to be active. They wouldn't have activated him off of the pup list. They didn't need to do so yet. So the fact that they did so clearly tells you that despite him being questionable for this game, he will be active and he will play in the game. And the other one is Devontae Wyatt. I find it also hard to believe that if Wyatt was going to be out in this game, that they would not have activated a Chris Slayton or a Jonathan Ford or somebody to take that additional defensive line spot with Wyatt being out. So I would expect Aaron Jones, Eric Stokes, obviously, and Devontae Wyatt to be good to go based on the fact that they did not activate any other players at those given positions. As we get into the game and as we get to the inactives an hour and a half before kickoff, there's two real legitimate injury questions going into this game at this point. And I think that's Elton Jenkins and Jair Alexander. And neither player practiced on Friday, which is never a great sign. We just don't know, but these are two huge, huge players for Green Bay in this game. If they can't go, it is going to be a really difficult, it's going to make this even much more of a challenging game against a bad Broncos team. It's one that Green Bay needs to find a way to win no matter what, but man, it just, it feels like Green Bay can't get out of its own way from an injury standpoint, even with so few games as of late, with all this time off, 
they still have an injury list a mile long. It's possible that maybe one or two of those guys play, and maybe you just end up with Devondre Campbell as really the the main one out. But if, if Jair and Elton can't go, man, it changes this game entirely. All right, let's get to our usual breakdown, the 10, or excuse me, the 12 things to watch in this game. We'll go through them one by one. Number one, we basically just broke down already, but that's going to be the inactives an hour and a half before kickoff. And I usually go with this one first. It's low hanging fruit. It's obvious, but it's also extremely important in this one. If Jair and Elton can't go, that easily could swing the pendulum in the favor of the Broncos just right there in and of itself. Those are two just so important players for this team. Green Bay on the offensive line is struggling even with Elton in the lineup, and he's one of the only consistent players along with Zach Tom on that entire line. And if you lose him and it has to be Royce Newman or Sean Ryan, that just what an absolute gut punch and game changer that is. The Broncos defensive front is not very good. If there's a game that you get away with it, it might be this one but it still really, really stings to potentially not have Elton Jenkins in the game. And at corner, the Broncos don't have a ton of positions where they have a lot of talent. Wide receiver with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and even Marvin Mims, they have a very good trio of wide receivers, assuming they actually play Mims and get him the ball a little bit more in this one. They have a very good trio of wide receivers. You want your cover corners in this game. And if they don't have Jair, again, that could swing it absolutely in Denver's favor. So the inactives in this one going to be huge. And which of those players for Green Bay is and is not able to play could go a long way in determining the outcome even before the game is kicked off. Number two, we also talked about just a little bit, and that's the return of Aaron Jones. And importantly, how many snaps does he play and how involved is he in the game plan? You would think, just based on what we heard from a week ago, that the goal of this offense is going to be getting Aaron Jones involved early and often. And that doesn't just have to be through running the ball. He could be at wide receiver and get wide receiver screens. He could be on jet sweeps. He could be in pony packages. They could do so many different things with Aaron Jones, just the Texas route like we saw against Chicago. I don't care how you utilize him. I don't care how you get him the ball. If he is good to go and ready to carry or at least you know touch the ball 20 to 23 times, then utilize those 20 to 23 times. It's like a, a penalty kicker in soccer. Like you could put your best player last in case you get a clutch situation with your number five kicker. However, you may not never you may never get to that kicker if you choose to put him number five and you could lose in the first four penalty kickers and never get to number five. You might not, like it's the same thing of like, you might want to save some of those Aaron Jones snaps until later in the game, where if it's a clutch game at the end, you'd really like to use him. But if you're down by 14 points because you didn't you you know utilize him early in the game, it may not even matter. Just kind of like what happened in that Lions game of like by the time he touches the ball, you're down 24 to three and it just probably doesn't matter at all at that point. So use him early, use him often, see what he can bring to this offense. This, this offense desperately, desperately needs a spark. And Aaron Jones has the ability to provide that. What he can give this team, how much he plays, how much they utilize him, that is going to be another key and something to watch for in this game. Number three is how does Green Bay match up with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and to some extent Marvin Mims as well? The first part of this is, does Jair Alexander play? The second part is, if Jair does play, do you move him with Jerry Judy, which would be a very good matchup between the two and one that I think is advantageous for Green Bay? 
Do you move Razul with Cortland Sutton, making sure that you're matched up size against size, physicality against physicality, and that I think would also be a very good matchup for Green Bay? And then maybe leave Keyshawn Nixon with Marvin Mims, which you may want to keep somebody over the top just as an in-case, but that's usually what you're doing with your safeties anyway. That's a great way to utilize that. If it's Eric Stokes, are you just having them play Stokes and Razul on the outside with Nixon in the slot and say, screw it, play whoever you want to play wherever, and we're just going to match up? If it's Jair, do you just have Jair and, and Razul on the outside with Nixon in the slot and match up wherever you want to match up? There's not many places, as I mentioned earlier, where Denver has a ton of really good players. And we can argue of like how high we want to put Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Marvin Mims on a pedestal. I'm not saying it's the greatest receiving core known to man, but I think that trio has the opportunity and potential to do damage, significant damage on any given Sunday and is probably the position group that you want to limit the most. So Joe Barry, this defensive staff, they have a determination and a decision to make as to how they want to match up with those wide receivers. Part of that's going to be dependent upon how much they get, if at all, Jair in this game. And then do they want to go match or do they want to just play it as is? And do they have a backup plan? I go back to that Minnesota game from week one in 2022. Jair, or excuse me, um, Justin Jefferson tore them up. Jair did not shadow him. And Jefferson just completely, basically beat Green Bay almost single-handedly. And they did not have a backup plan. And Green Bay needs to have a couple different options. If Judy and Sutton get going and your initial plan doesn't work, you got to have something else that you can throw at them to make sure that those are not the players that are beating you in this specific game. Also noteworthy here, you got to limit those explosive plays and beware of Marvin Mims. He is a playmaking machine. They've used him extremely sparingly, but when he's in, he's a playmaker and you have to be aware of him at all times because he can go the distance at any moment and has that raw, just complete playmaking ability where the ball's in his hands and he's explosive with it. So you got to be very, very careful of that. I don't know about you guys, but fall is the absolute busiest time of year for me. Besides the obvious craziness of football season, it's also back to school, soccer season for the kids, and just a never-ending stream of things to do on the to-do list. And that busyness makes it extremely difficult for me to get wholesome, healthy meals. And far too often, I'm settling for less nutritious alternatives. If you're feeling that busyness like I am, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for those jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. If you're looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season, try their delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Guys, my family and I have been eating these meals, and they are incredibly, incredibly good. Dead serious, you're going to enjoy them. Head to factormeals.com slash packaday50 and use code packaday50 to get 50% off. That's code packaday50 at factormeals.com slash packaday50 to get 50% off. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. 
The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle-free and just super, super simple. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means... It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Number four on my list is a mixture of stamina, game shape, the Colorado air, all of it, playing at altitude. Those are things that normally in a usual situation, I probably wouldn't even be talking about, even if it was just going to Denver for one week, maybe I would bring it up, but probably not as a key to the game. We have to remember, as I just mentioned, this is a team in Green Bay that you play kind of your first four weeks of the season and then you get your, or your what, first five weeks of the season, you get your bye week, you had that big stretch between the Thursday night game and the Monday night game, and then you have, the, again, the bye week, and you go to now playing in Denver. This team has not had any sort of normal schedule whatsoever. What is it? Like, I think they played the first three Sundays, and then Thursday, and then Monday, and then bye week, and now you go to Denver. And when you haven't played a ton and have played only one game in 20-some you know days, that is going to mess with your rhythm. That's going to mess with your just usual plan, like Sunday, 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 Sunday. Maybe you have one day off here or there, but you usually kind of get in that rhythm. And Green Bay just not having those games, you can lose your your lungs a little bit and not maybe be in quite as much game shape as you usually are when you haven't been playing those games consistently. Would I have noted it if they were playing anywhere else? Probably not. But you combine it all together and them not having played many games lately, probably not in a great rhythm. And now they're going into Colorado playing at altitude. You know, that that all combined can be a bit of an issue and just a shock to the system a little bit. 
I think Green Bay is going to handle it fine. I don't have a massive concern over it, but it's definitely something that I'm going to be monitoring a little bit and keeping an eye on, especially late in the game. And especially if this is following the same script that we've seen in other games where the defense can't get off the field, the offense can't stay on the field. If Denver's able to wear them down and you put all those other things that I just talked about together, where Green Bay hasn't been playing consistently and they are playing at altitude, that could be advantage Denver in the fourth quarter. So you really want to see and make sure that this is a Green Bay team that is controlling the clock a little bit better than they have in previous games this season. Number five is Jordan Love's efficiency. We could just say Jordan Love. We could just say Jordan Love needs to play better. We could just say Jordan Love needs to have better accuracy. We could say Jordan Love needs to avoid turnovers. All of those things are true to some extent, but the passing game just needs to find a level of efficiency that they haven't yet. Part of that is completion percentage. Part of that is drops. Part of that is the offense not being on the same page with one another. Part of that is rhythm and timing between quarterback and wide receiver. Part of that is complementary football between the offense, defense, and special teams playing a cohesive brand of football. It's all there. But at the end of the day, you have to find a way to be more efficient on offense. And that starts with the passing game. And that starts with Jordan Love. Now, it can be helped quite a bit by the running game and Aaron Jones being back and getting some explosive plays in the running game going to help set up everything better. No question about that. But Jordan and this passing attack needs to be more efficient. They need to be more dangerous. This is a team, I don't mean to say that with playing dangerous, but they need to be more dangerous. And they need to be a, a, a team that can go up against a Denver defense that isn't very good and put up legitimate points. And we can talk about the Dolphins putting up 70. I'm not saying that. Listen, the Chiefs only put up 19, but I and I don't think it can be that either. I think you need to somehow get into the you know mid to high 20s in this game and just look like a better, more functional offense. But that always is going to start at quarterback. It has to be better. It has to be more efficient. And that starts with Jordan Love. Number six, a matchup that I think goes heavily in Green Bay's favor is Rashawn Gary versus Mike McGlinchey. I don't think McGlinchey has given them exactly what they expected when they gave him the big free agent deal. I think that's a matchup that Rashawn Gary can win over and over. We've talked about that it's time to unleash Rashawn Gary a little bit more and let him free. I think this is a game where we need to see a little bit more of Rashawn, give him a handful of more snaps in this game, let him work versus McGlinchey. I wouldn't use him too much against Garrett Bowles. I would use him when there's key opportunities, of course, on those big third downs and when there's obvious pressure situations. Gary can win that matchup. I think Gary can win that matchup easily. And that has the ability to be one of those matchups that Green Bay just wins clean. There's a possibility that, I think there's a good possibility that Denver keeps in a running back to chip or a tight end to chip and just give uh, Gary a little bit more attention. But that gives Green Bay an advantage defensively as well. Whatever the case may be, that's a matchup Gary can and should win early and often in this game and be a real force and disruptor throughout the entirety of this game if he can get more snaps like I think he should and will against Denver. Number seven, beware Jaleel McLaughlin. And that might not be a name everyone's familiar yet. Anyone who plays fantasy, you're probably well aware of him by now, but he is a really fun, really good running back. And I know Javante Williams is going to be probably their primary running back still, but McLaughlin is one of those running backs. When he gets in the game, the offense just feels like it has a little bit more zip, a little bit more juice. We've all seen those running backs in the past, maybe uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, Deion Jones, uh, um, you know, there, there's been a variety of them over the course of time where sometimes they can't ever really be the primary back, even sort of Aaron Jones early in his career. Maybe they're not the primary back, 
but when they get in, you can feel everything change a little bit. And it just, the offense becomes a little bit more efficient, a little bit more explosive. It just brings a different energy to it. Jaleel McLaughlin has done that for for the Denver Broncos. Just like Marvin Mims at wide receiver, I think they need to start playing him a little bit more. He's a really talented individual, just another one of the Denver Broncos undrafted free agent running backs that they seem to always find forever and ever. Doesn't matter who's the GM, who's the coach. It's just like Denver always has a really good late round or undrafted free agent running back. McLaughlin is the latest iteration of that really talented player and somebody that you just have to keep an extra eye on when he's on the field because he will beat you if you're not prepared for him. Green Bay will be. I think they need to make sure they shut him down and don't let him get one of those explosive plays, especially in the screen game where he can be pretty dangerous. Number eight, let Russ cook? Question mark. I'm Ron Burgundy. I think you kind of need to let Russ cook a little bit in this game. Now, I'm not saying let Russ cook cook, like let him just go off. That's clearly not going to help anyone. But I think you kind of need to make Russ be the guy that beats you. And normally you wouldn't say that. Normally in the past, you know, especially in his prime in Seattle, you'd be like, we got to make sure Russ does not beat us. If they run the football or whatever the case may be, great. But Russ cannot beat us with his legs. He can't beat us with his arm. You got to make sure that someone else is beating you. And this one, I think you kind of got to let Russ hold on to the ball. And the more that he is holding on to the ball and trying to do too much, the better off your defense is. This is not the same Russell Wilson. He is having a much better season this year than he did last year. And I'm not saying you just want to give him all the time in the world, but you kind of want him to do a little bit more of the dancing and the scrambling because he doesn't have that same ability with his legs that he once did. Can he still beat you from time to time? Yes. But more often than not, I think Denver finds themselves in bad situations when Russell is roaming around and scrambling around. If Wilson's getting the ball out of his hands quick, that means their weapons like Jerry Judy and Marvin Mims and Cortland Sutton and Jaleel McLaughlin have the ability to beat you because those are that's where their talent lies. You don't want the ball in their hands. So I think sometimes the longer that you know Wilson tries to make things happen and he's trying to cook maybe a little bit more than he should rather than letting his shoe chefs do the work, I've done a lot of recipe and cooking and chef related uh, terminology lately, and I really need to stop, but I digress. Let Russ cook a little bit. Make sure that the wide receivers and the, the, the weapons in this game are not the ones that are beating you. And I think you can actually find a way to succeed in this one. I actually think that, and I know people are going to just hate this, and I'm going to get a few people that are just going to X me off right as I'm saying this. Uh, I actually think Joe Barry's normal defensive plan works kind of well in this one to kind of keep everything in front of you. And I know everyone hates that and it's a bend but don't break mentality. This offense for Denver is so inept for such long periods of time that I actually think that you can count on them making more mistakes if you just kind of make sure you're not giving up explosive plays, keeping everything in front of you, making sure that Sutton and Judy and Mims aren't getting those deep shots down the field. If you can do that, And like I said, maybe try to make Russ cook a little bit more and just get a little bit disjointed on offense. I think you're actually in a really good spot. It's, you know, you want to get off the field on third downs, no question about it. But I think Joe Barry's normal system kind of works out well for Green Bay in this matchup. Number nine, attack this freaking defense. This is a bad defense. You have to, you have to really be cognizant of two players on defense, Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons, both phenomenal players, great defensive backs. Sertan, you're going to need to be aware of where he is and making sure that you're not throwing your jump balls, 50-50 balls in his direction. 
And then Justin Simmons is going to be lurking. And same thing, you need to be sure he's going to probably be a lot of center field, trying to cut off some of those angles, going sideline to sideline. Got to make sure you're looking him off if you're going to take a shot to one side or the other, just to try to hold him. He's a really smart player. But those are the two guys that can beat you. Everyone else attack endlessly. You got to find a way to run the ball against this front. It's not a great defensive front against the run. It's not a great defensive front against the pass. But we said a lot of the same things against the Raiders. The difference here, they don't have a Max Crosby. They don't have an Aiden Hutchinson. They don't have that premier rusher. They got rid of Randy Gregory. They got rid of Frank Clark. Things have not been clicking for this defense. This is a team that you need to attack relentlessly early and often, find success, find your mismatches, and do freaking work. Because if you can't against this Broncos defense, it is going to be a very hard remainder of the season for you because this should be a defense that you can find, that just about anyone can find success against. Number 10, get back to the basics. Simple is better. Get back to your fundamentals and just do some of the simple stuff really, really well. I'm not saying that again, you can't be aggressive. I'm not saying you can't attack downfield. I just talked about attacking this Broncos defense. I want to see that, but I want to see some of the simple stuff executed at a much higher level than what Green Bay did specifically against the Raiders, but also against Detroit. We saw it for stretches against New Orleans. Keep it simple sometimes. It's a different version of KISS, but keep it simple sometimes. Master the basics of the game. Get this young team some easy things that they can go out and do that are you know, if you want to use the illusion of complexity, that's great, but figure out a way to get some easy looks for this offense that's young, inexperienced, and is trying to maybe do a little bit too much in the first five games of the season. I want to see this offense just a little bit more simplified, a little bit more easy, getting back to the basics and letting them master that stuff as they try to pick up some points against this Broncos defense. Number 11, first half, strong start. I am so over this Green Bay offense being completely inept for the first half of the game. I'm ready to see an offensive freaking explosion in the first half. I want, I would love to see some real crooked numbers in the first and second quarter. Give me 20 some points in the first half. Like seriously, it is time. It is time. Rest in peace, Kevin Green. We love you, but it is time. This offense needs to find a way to put some explosive plays on the field, to put some huge numbers up on the board. I'm not saying Green Bay is going to go out and win this game by huge numbers, and I'll get to my prediction in just a moment. I'm not saying this game is going to be easy. In fact, this game freaks the crap out of me. I think there's, I think the Broncos have a real legitimate chance in this one, but I think there's a real opportunity to get to an early lead, to put some points on the board, to finally play some complimentary football. Like I said, it is time strong start first half, set your defense up for success, set your offense up for success, do all of it, play complimentary football and get out of freaking Denver against a really bad football team with a much, much needed win. Number 12, my last and final one. This is a Matt LaFleur game, in my opinion. I want to see Matt LaFleur come out and having this team extremely prepared off of a bye week. I want to see them extremely focused. I We cannot see another halftime of well, I just want to see these guys compete for a half and like, let's see if we can get back into this thing. And in the at the end of the game, hearing about, well, I'm really proud of how these guys competed. And no, 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 nope, 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 nope. I want to see this team all the way in, ready, prepared, and going in to dominate this first half of this game and playing at a level that they have not shown that they have been capable of against these last few opponents you can't have another three-point performance or worse in the first half or six points. 
I need to see double digit points in the first half. If that's 10, so be it. You're at least competent in the first half. And hopefully you can come out strong in the third quarter still. This cannot be a situation where you are down double digit points at halftime and going through the same spiel of we're going to come out and compete in the second half. We need to execute better. No, it's we're well past that at this point. This is a Matt LaFleur game. It needs to be better, more focused, more energized, more prepared. And I want to see Matt LaFleur have a couple things up his sleeve, mismatches that he knows he can go to, some plays he knows he can win with and win with them early and often put up those crooked numbers early in this game. My prediction, I hate predictions, as you guys probably know by now. I My initial thought on this one, this is a legitimately true thing. My legitimate thought on this one is I had 2020 tie in this one. I'm not going to go 2020 tie. My next thought that I had in this one that I have on my screen right now, if you can see it, 23 to 20 Broncos in overtime, winning in overtime on some fluke play. I'm changing my mind as I've gone through this, as I've gone through my keys to this game, I have now talked myself out of it. I'm going Packers win. I'm going to say 24-20 Packers. They get the win in Denver. It's not pretty. In fact, I think this game might be very ugly overall from both sides. Packers find a way to get the victory. 24-20. I'm going against everything I've thought up until this point, but I'm feeling it in the moment. So mark it down, put it in Sharpie. Packers get the win. That's going to do it for me today. Make sure to check out those Packaday Podcast memberships. You won't be disappointed. Shout out to our All-Pro and Hall of Fame members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Dad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, and Donald Lee. Appreciate you guys a ton. I'll see you tomorrow, hopefully, for a victory Monday. Actually, I will be doing a live post game as soon as the game is done. So make sure to check that out over on YouTube. So live post game, and then, of course, uh, a breakdown of the game afterwards. You guys know the drill. I'll see you guys soon. But until next time, and as always... Go Paco.